Welcome to the first Intuition Podcast. On this episode, we talk resilience, sharing tips in how you can build it into your day-to-day life. We recorded the session in front of a live Zoom audience, and if you would like to join a future show, you can register for them. There'll be a link in the show notes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the first Intuition Podcast. My name is Ben Bullman, tutor and director at First Intuition, and I am joined by my good friend and colleague this evening, David Malthouse. Good evening, Dave. Evening, Ben. And how are you this week? Um, this week's really good, but it's actually two weeks because I wasn't able to join you last week. I was at my daughter's end of term music concert at school, which was a lovely night of listening to brass and woodwind instrument recitals. So I've missed two weeks. So a couple of bits to fill you in on. One thing, I've been up in Norwich quite a bit. I'm actually speaking to you from Norwich this evening. I've been up teaching, but I was also up here two weeks ago for the launch party for our new Norwich office. And I have to say, it is a fantastic premises. Lots and lots of happy students enjoying being back in class in the lovely surroundings of the centre. And I got to meet a few of the clients and friends of FI that we invited to the open evening one of which was a guest on the podcast a little while ago. If you listened back to the episode from June, when we had our cybersecurity expert Steve Williams on, I actually got to shake Steve's hand, saw him in the flesh the first time I've actually met him in person. And it was lovely to actually have a chat and and reminisce about the previous podcast episodes and share with him how well the podcast is going. So that's something I've been doing. I've also been last Thursday night to the Cambridge Business Awards really prestigious awards ceremony in King's College, one of the large university colleges in quite a grand hall. And we were nominated for an award. First Intuition Cambridge was nominated for a business award and we got runner up in our category, but it was a lovely evening out and it was a random allocation of seating, but I got sat next to another ex-guest of the podcast, Lizzie Bradbury from Coel. So if you haven't listened to that episode, she joined us back in November to talk about the changing office space and layout as people returning from COVID. So it was really nice to see Lizzie, to catch up with her and actually talk about what she's been doing since she joined us in the podcast with her role in advising businesses on office space and layout. How's your week going, Dave? Well, as you say, two weeks since we last met. Well, as someone's mentioned in the chat, um, did we have a nice Christmas do? And um, yes, we did have a lovely Christmas do. And I know it's unusual to talk about Christmas parties in March, but we, like many businesses, had to postpone our Christmas party from December and then actually ended up having it um, in March. So, yeah, we had a lovely time. It was nice to get the the, the, the team together. Um, rather, rather odd, um, I think, in March, doing Secret Santa presents which was, uh, had all been carried over from the, um, from, from the prior week. Um, and just today, Ben, I actually went into my daughter's school to, um, to, to see a performance like, like you saw of your daughter. They have got a, um, a teacher that comes in once a week who runs a class called Rocksteady, um, where they, um, they, they, small groups of them form their own rock band. And um, for the last... Um, I think ten weeks or so, they've been performing their um, their their particular song, and we had kind of a, a little group from kind of like year two 
who kind of like jumped around quite a lot and um, tried to sing We Will Rock You. Um, and then we had a, a few groups that were gradually, as they got older, more and more competent. And then Rosie's band were last. And as I said, they were the headliner act. Um, and came on and and um, did Dance Monkey, which um, which that went down very very well. So yeah, it was, it was really good to to see that. And um, some shall we say interesting guitar playing styles that I saw from some of the kids. So some of them were were actually genuinely trying to to um, either find the notes or find the chords, but there were some where it just seemed that they were randomly hitting the strings as hard as they can to make an interesting noise. Um, but it was it was very enjoyable. So um, I, I'm sure that your own daughters who are a little bit older, probably had a bit more musical proficiency, 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 shall we say. Um, but I, I don't think you can doubt the enthusiasm of the kids today. Amazing. That sounds very familiar to one of my favourite films, the School of Rock film with Jack Black. Is that a it, family favourite in the Malthouse family? One hundred percent. Good film. Absolutely love that film. Yeah, absolutely love it. Um, and yeah, it's my my favourite test of whether someone truly is a um, a school of rock fan is um, to ask them what Jack Black's character is called in the movie. And do, do you do you at all know Ben? Go on. Is he called Ned Schneebly? Unfortunately, Ben, that's a rookie mistake because he's pretending to be his best friend, who is Ned Schneebly. Okay, he's actually called Dewey Finn. Dewey Finn, I jumped in. Yeah, now you say it, I know exactly what I, I did wrong there. But a great film, an absolutely yeah. fantastic film. If you've not watched it, listeners, go and check out School of Rock. It's one of those that will really cheer you up, make you smile. Like all good films, it's got a happy ending. Oh, you've spoiled it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're actually going to be away now for a couple of weeks. We're coming up to Easter holidays, and I know you're going to be away. I've got a bit of teaching and also a bit of time off. But I thought this would be a good time to go back and maybe if you've got two weeks with no extra episodes being released, look at the back catalogue of podcast episodes. The FI podcast now has been going for coming up to two years. Tonight is actually episode 88. How phenomenal is that, Dave? And I was looking at some stats today that I thought I would share with you and the listeners. This week, we are on track to pass 22,000 downloads in the history of the FI podcast, we get 24% of our downloads from outside of the United Kingdom. We mentioned this on a previous episode where we went down some of the countries. I'm just going to go through the top um, two outside of the UK. Our second biggest population is in Portugal. So hello. I should have learned hello from Portugal in Portuguese. But if you're listening from Portugal, you are very welcome. And our third most popular download destination is in Poland. So if you are listening to us or downloading via Poland, you are also very welcome, as you are if you are downloading from anywhere else in the world. Um, I love that we've got Portuguese fans. Fantastic. And they won at football last night as well. As we're recording this, they won their World Cup qualifier. So they are through to the next round of that, I believe. Um. Would you like to hazard a guess when the most popular time to listen to the FI podcast is, Dave? Uh, do, you, do you want days or time of day or what do you want? A day and a time of that day. For me, I reckon it's going to be Saturday mornings at about 10 o'clock. Really interestingly, Saturday was not a popular listening time. I would have thought something similar, 
the most popular time was Sunday at 4 p.m. No way. So those, those Sunday afternoon blues, maybe when you're thinking about the week ahead. Um, lots of people listening there. The other popular time for downloads, and I think this is more to do with when we release the next episode, but Tuesdays and Wednesdays are a popular download day. But I guess that's because that's when the guys usually release the next episode. Final stat for you. 44% of you are listening to us, according to my information, on an Apple device. But that implies that the other 56% of people don't. So we also have got access via Android. It's on Spotify. You can ask Alexa still to play the FI podcast. So have a go experimenting with that. If you've got an Alexa-enabled device in your household, um, ask it to play the First Intuition or the FI podcast. Um, how cool are some of those stats, Dave? Yeah, that, that's really cool. I'm just picturing all those people in Portugal on a Sunday afternoon. Um, listen, I, I'm just, I mean, my, I, I holiday in Madeira quite a lot, so um, which is which is a, a, Portu, a Portuguese island. So I, I know a, a tiny, tiny amount of Portuguese. Um, but the thing that I love most about going to Portugal is the little tiny custard tarts which are absolutely delicious, which you've started to be able to get more in this country. But that was historically my treat when I would go there. I would just eat them every day because they're just so delicious. Oh, Dave, you obviously haven't ventured to the Cambridge office from the train station recently. So at the top of Station Road in Cambridge, round the corner from our Cambridge office, there is a bakery that's got a bit of a Portuguese twist and they will sell you a box of those custards for, I think it's between eight and ten pounds for a box. So um, next time you're in Cambridge, you buy the coffee. I will buy the Portuguese mustard. <laughs> That's a bit, that is a deal. Yeah, brilliant. Um, I've been up in Norwich teaching this week. I've been teaching some ICAW strategic business management, quite a varied topic. But something I've also enjoyed doing is referring to the podcast in my lessons. So I have encouraged the class this week and I certainly went back to listen to last week's episode that you did, Dave, on risk with Jess fantastic episode and risk was the topic of my class yesterday tomorrow we're actually talking money laundering in class so i'll be referring back to the podcast from two weeks ago and i would encourage you all to go back check out the back catalog there are a varied range of things you can listen to so if you didn't listen to them the first time round, they stay up there they are available go back and check them out you've now got a couple of weeks that you can go and do some catching up on prior episodes I suppose we better move on to the topic of this evening. So as we're coming up to a, a, a milestone of this year, really, we're about to finish the first quarter of 2022. So this is the, the last week of March. I thought when we were brainstorming some ideas for the podcast, it would be a nice time to maybe do some reflection and think about the topic of resilience. This is about the first time of the year that students will be faced with exam results. It's also the time of the year that New Year's resolutions are probably dying or dead in the water. And people probably are looking for something to pick them up, to get them back on track, to deal with any setbacks that they have had. So resilience is the topic for this evening. Dave, what do you understand by the term resilience? Because it's got quite a broad meaning to different people. First thing is, whenever I think re resilience, I kind of have this this mental image of, of someone running a long distance race. So someone like running the 10,000 meters or running a marathon. And you, you know, when you get towards the latter stage of those races and you can see someone where it's really hurting them and you can see them like gritting their teeth 
and almost like tensing all the muscles in their face up as they just try and power through and just finish the race. That that to me is the image that surrounds um, resilience. You know, that's what, what I think of when I think resilience is that, you know, having to grit your teeth and just push through. But um, I, I saw quite a nice three word definition of resilience um, uh, earlier today that I, I really like. And it's it, it just says that resilience is advancing despite adversity. And I, I kind of like that in terms of advancing to kind of make progress, advancing to continue on your journey, advancing towards meeting your goals and objectives, despite adversity. So despite, you know, life having its ups and downs, despite good and bad things happening, still continuing to advance towards those targets that you've set. So that, that's that's what I think of when I think resilience. I really like that idea of moving forward. It's something that I've thought a lot about when I knew this was the topic for this evening. Um, I got an early train this morning to Norwich. So I made some notes on the train when I was thinking about resilience. Some of the things I wrote down was, was bouncing back, returning from setbacks, dealing with challenges, and very much in line with, with your definition there, Dave. Um, life's not always up. It's some ups and downs, but it's trying to make the trajectory. If you imagine a trend line when we are looking at, at variations, there's internal ups and downs. But on the whole, we want to be trying to have a line that's moving forwards, moving upwards. So it's how we kind of deal with the setbacks, but keep hopefully pushing ourselves to make progress, whether that be progress with our careers, whether that be progress with our studies whether that be progress with our own life goals and ambitions. So mm. I think a really nice place to start there, setting the scene for it. Yeah, and I think I was going to say resilience is something that I think you hear more about nowadays. People talk more about resilience. And I've spoken to other people in the education sector, other, other teachers and lecturers that have complained that there is a lack of resilience compared to generations gone past. And uh, I've heard teachers very specifically talking about students that don't do particularly well in exams, then not wanting to you know, get back on and retake that exam or wanting to give up. And I, I think it's a little bit unfair when I hear a lot of these complaints to, to level it at a generation. I think that what's happened is that if you go back 15, 20 years and go into a school, it would be very much that teachers would say, you're doing this, now you're doing this, now you're doing this, now you're doing this. It's very, very prescriptive. And if you fail, it doesn't matter, you're going to do this anyway. I think now we've empowered people a lot more and people are empowered to, to look after their, their own studying. And you know, as a result, that they're empowered to do it. But I don't think we empower people to be resilient. I think resilience is something we don't teach people. So I think it's a skill that people really need to develop and I don't really think it's the case that people are less resilient now than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. I think it's that now they've got the opportunity to demonstrate their own resilience. And that's that's something that I, I, I always get quite frustrated when people say that, oh, people need to build their resilience, they need to be more resilient. It's like, well, have you told them how to be resilient? Have you explained what resilience actually is? You know, and I, I was thinking it's that, that, you know, going through the pain barrier, gritting your teeth and getting on with it. Um, it was very flippant and throwaway to say that. It's much, much harder to actually do it. Well, let's hope us chatting over tonight and we're recording it in front of the, the live audience. So if people have got any comments or their own observations, please share with us as well. Let's hope we can we can give some tips. We can give some advice. 
I don't think we can claim to have all of the answers. And sadly, I haven't got a magic wand that just listening to us for 40 minutes will make you resilient tomorrow. But we can hopefully share some different aspects and different angles that maybe can get you thinking of positive steps you can take to keep moving forward. A really nice comment I can see in the chat box already. Someone saying that they feel they are better this year compared to where they were last year. And I think that very much works with your analogy, Dave, of despite the minor ups and downs, we want to be making progress and reflecting back this year to last year is a nice way to to look at that and, and give yourself some positive recognition for how far you have travelled. And how many as parents then, how many times have we directed our children and said that to our children and said, OK, so you had a setback today, but look how far you've come over the last two years. You know, so, OK, you didn't win that swimming race, but you know, two years ago, you couldn't even do that swimming stroke. You've come such a long way. And it's what we naturally do. But, you know, the skill that we, we need to you know, foster is to be able to do it in ourselves and to be able to look at ourselves and not say, all oh, right, something's gone wrong. You know, the whole world's fall apart. Something's gone wrong. But if I look at how, how much better I am now than two years ago, suddenly everything looks a bit different. So on the train this morning, I made some notes and came up with eight areas that I thought I would like to share with the listeners this evening and have a chat with you about. You also did some research today and found a really nice website, and I will get the guys to put a link to it in the show notes for this episode, something that talks about the six domains of resilience. But what was reassuring when I looked at the website you'd found having a cup of tea this afternoon it had lots of overlap with the things that I had flagged this morning on the train, which gave me confidence to say, I think that these are things that maybe not all of them are relevant to everybody, but the consensus is these are ways that you can hopefully channel some of that resilience and try and demonstrate the resilience that you have got and work on that for future setbacks that you might face. So shall we go through my list first and have a chat about each of them from the, the brainstorming I did on the train this morning. The first point I flagged was time. I think one of the problems I believe is out there, and I see it with our students, they are looking for quick fixes. They are looking for something that instantly solves their problems. And unfortunately, life doesn't really work like that. You can't expect to recover from setbacks instantly. It takes time and you need to allow yourself time just like your marathon runner analogy you need to go through the proper stages of recovery before you go and run another one you can't expect to just bounce back instantly you need to be aware of where you are and how long it will take you to get back on the track that you need setting realistic time frames for it what's your observations on that one dave i i i've mentioned this on a number of occasions on podcasting that that my my experience of exam failure was that I failed an exam a, a, a kind of an academic exam for, for really the first time in my life and it took me six months to actually be in a position where I could reconcile what had happened and make appropriate changes and you know it is I wish I had been able to deal with it quicker I wish I would have been able to you know to assess what had happened and to be able to to put new strategies in place to be successful in the future but I was 
you know, incapable of doing it because I, I had six months of thinking I would just do what I'd always done. And, you know, I, and the result would somehow be different because I was doing the same things that I was comfortable doing. So I, I agree. It's it, it, time. You know, it, it, it's something that sometimes we need to be aware that it will take us time to, for, for things to actually sink in properly. Um, you know, I think as some other people have, have also kind of said in the, in the chat box is that um, sometimes you don't realise, you know, how far you've come over a longer period of time and lit those little improvements that you've made day after day after day after day add up to massive, massive changes in the long term. Yeah, I, I think one of the dangers is this search for a quick fix. I think they can actually be more damaging than solving the longer term problem. And you can look at things that, that are a quick fix, whether that's alcohol, whether that's other substances, and, and that's not a way to recover. That's masking the underlying problem. And yes, they might make you feel better for a very short period of time, but that's quite a dangerous strategy to deal with the downs to artificially give yourself some ups. So clearly we would not encourage that. I think we need to look at the longer term picture. Exactly. So that was my number one, just setting some realistic timeframes and saying it's not going to be instant recovery. You need to make sure that you know where you are and think about the, the time it might take you to recover and not panic if it's not an instant. You are feeling much better. The second point I've got is to broaden your outlook, avoid tunnel vision. I think when we are faced with setbacks in life, yes, it could be the exam fail that you mentioned, Dave, that thing becomes very much the centre of our attention. It becomes all consuming and completely overwhelming, a word I've seen in the chat box as well. And I'm not saying that's not an important issue and something that you clearly need to address and be aware of, but life is broader than that. And actually, what I see is other factors contributing or playing a part in the one that's taken your attention. So thinking broader than just the problem in front of you, thinking about your personal relationships, any issues at work or at home alongside your studies. Um, and, and I would encourage people to broaden their horizons, think about the other issues, the other parts of their life and, and get that life in balance. Uh, we, we've talked again about that about those kind of things before in terms of having a balance in in the things that you do and and not just focusing on one particular area to the detriment of others and looking at what are the you know the six seven eight areas of your life that that you care most about and making sure that you've got balance across those things and I, I think yeah really good point it's very very easy to focus on that one negative rather than the 20 positive things that are going on in your life my number three is the ability to deal with criticism. And I think this is something that we will all encounter in our lives. But the first time you have a, a piece of work maybe reviewed at work and it's not necessarily all positive comments, that's when you can really go on a downer and you've got to be able to deal with that. I'm afraid that is life in the professional environment. Everything won't go perfectly first time and you might have to deal with some criticism. My words of encouragement there would be don't take comments to heart. It's not a personal attack on you. It's hopefully gonna be constructive and pointing out things that you can work on, you can develop, you can improve. Again, your point of dwelling on the negative, 
And quite often it's the negative words that you keep in your head and you miss sight of the positive feedback and focus just on the negative review points. So think about the balance. Don't just dwell on the negatives. And also be wary of the anxiety, that the kind of pressure that you believe other people are thinking about your work or reviewing you all of the time. And I don't want to be flippant. I think professionalism means you take a pride in your work. You take a pride in your studies. And that comes with partly thinking I need to do a good job for everybody involved. But I think paranoia can set in sometimes. And, and I've been in that position before where I'm always thinking that other people are thinking the worse of me. We're actually far from it when you actually then speak to them and get some constructive feedback. Dave, how have you dealt with with criticism or would you encourage others to deal with it? I'm awful when it comes to criticism. I, I, I like you say, I do take it personally um, and I, I do tend to dwell on criticism. And you know, I, I, I kind of I hear a lot of people um, that, that run their own businesses say things like, um, oh, I really like getting complaints from customers because um, it helps me to find out where I can improve and where I can do better. Personally, it makes my heart sink if anyone has anything to do in terms of a complaint because I, I, I feel I've done something wrong. So I've, I personally find it very, very difficult. That's not to say that I would talk about all the things that, that you say in terms of you know, if someone is being critical of you at work, it generally means they care about you and they want you to be better and they want you to improve. Because if someone is critical of your work, it means we really value you and we want you to be even better and we want you to succeed. If they didn't value you and they thought you were rubbish, it would be a meeting to get rid of you. It wouldn't be a meeting to improve. And most employers that I speak with, you know, are, are, are critical from a good place. They're not critical because, they, you know, they, they want to be horrible and nasty. They're critical because they want you to be better and they want you to improve. So I think if you can look at it through a lens like that, you can deal with criticism a little bit better. But it's hard. It's hard because, you know, I, I hate it. I hate people being critical. You know, I accept it and I will make changes in the back of it and I need to hear criticism, but it doesn't make it, a, you know, it still makes it a bitter, bitter pill to swallow. I've just seen a comment in the chat box and it's almost as if they knew what was coming next on my list. So an observation from a, a live attendee tonight that we're quite often our own worst critic and I would agree with that. So my number five is give yourself and others some love and respect actually don't be scared to praise yourself to big up your own achievements things like guilt and self-loathing and disgusting yourself are very negative and they will massively bring you down if you can say i've acknowledged the past but i am present i'm aware and i am willing and wanting to change that's a very nice mantra i'm present i'm aware i'm willing and wanting to change that's the first step to then put yourself back on that forward, upwards trajectory that you talked about earlier, Dave. Mm -hmm. any, any ways that you have seen or come across to give yourself some respect? Um, I, I, I talk a little, uh, I, I kind of tell myself a lot about how far I have come, which I think someone else has already mentioned. We did talk about a second. I, I, I you know, it, it's kind of putting yourself in that position of looking and saying, well, where, where have I done something successfully in the past? And, you know, I think it's almost channeling the feelings that you have then that will then put you in a position whereby 
you know, you, you're, you're slightly more positive. And, 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 you know, this is something that we hear Olympic athletes do all the time, isn't it? They, they visualise the race. So they're already feeling that they've run that race and they already know what pressures they're going to feel and they understand what's going to happen to them and they visualise the finish line, they visualise winning, and all of those kind of things. I think it's very similar in that, you know, can you visualise you being successful at some point? And whatever we've done, I mean, the fact that we're here and you know you're listening to this podcast or you're watching us live means that you must have done something successful in order to have got here so can you visualize that scenario and put yourself in that position think about it reminisce about it and and then you know your brain does the rest your brain then says oh you know that's how i felt that you know that's me doing something successful a really nice comment in the chat box from someone saying and agreeing we are usually our own worst critic and that voice that we have in our own heads, if we spoke to other people like that, well, we wouldn't. We really wouldn't dream of being as critical of other people as we quite often are with ourselves. Um, someone else saying it's always easier to encourage someone else when they are feeling negative, but not ourselves. And, and that links in with, with another point that I'm going to have in my list in a moment. But the next one I've got and following on from where, where you just went, Dave, is learning from the past reflecting and, and thinking, actually, we've been through challenges before and we're still here. We've moved forward. Those setbacks were, at the time, as overwhelming, potentially, or seemingly as big a problem as the one we are facing now. But we've made our way through it. Wouldn't you love to be able to go back in time and speak to your prior self? Imagine time traveling. If we could all travel back two years to when the government had just announced the first lockdown. There was lots of uncertainty about what was coming. Um, to go back and say, two years time, guys, you're okay. Ben and Dave are still doing the First Intuition Forum and podcast. Mm. People have made it through. And I appreciate everybody's been through different experiences in different journeys. But to go back and speak to yourself, I think would be a powerful thing. So, so try and learn from your past experiences, learn from your past mistakes. And if you are new in your studies, new in your career, reach out and speak to other people because they will share their past experiences and hopefully can reassure you that this is life, I'm afraid. It's not all up. There are ups and downs, but we can be resilient to come back from the downs and keep moving forward. I like that. And as you said that, I, I was actually thinking of, of something a little bit different. In you said learn from the past. Uh, and I was kind of thinking if you also had that, that time machine, learning from the future. And what I mean by that is this is something that I, I've done throughout my, my whole life for various different things. And particularly if I, if I have something that's really difficult to do that I'm not looking forward to doing. And, you know, we all maybe have those tasks that we have to do or a client that we have to see and we're really not looking forward to it. You know, I, I would just say, right, it's going to be all over by Friday. You know, by Friday, it will be forgotten. By Friday, it's done. So three or four days and this, you know, that's your light at the end of the tunnel. So, you know, I've got a particularly bad exam that's coming up. In a month's time, that exam is going to be finished. I'm going to be waiting for the results. In five years' time, I'm going to be qualified. Yeah, I might have to reset a few exams, but in five years' time, I'll be a qualified accountant. And you know, this is where my career is going to be. And this is just something that I've got to get through on the route to being there. So I, I kind of like that idea of yeah, learn from the past, but also you know, think about this is short term. You know, long term, there's so many other things that are going to happen. 
And you know, it, it certainly helped me going out to those horrible clients where you know that they're going to be awkward and difficult and they're really going to challenge absolutely everything. And it's happening tomorrow is, well, tomorrow night I'm going to be in the pub. And it makes it, it puts it into context. It makes it feel more manageable. We've, we've talked about it before, and it's something I have to say, I am not as organised, as disciplined as I should be in writing a journal, writing a diary, writing a log of what I've done, because I think it would be fascinating to read back as to what was going through my mind this time three years ago. Something I absolutely adore. I'm on Facebook for social media. I'm not up there with the, the new generation on Instagram. I'm still a Facebook user. And I love it when Facebook reminds me of things that I posted four or five years ago. And you kind of get a moment where you can think back and think, oh, what was I thinking then? What was I doing? What was I worrying about? And if only I could go back and speak to myself at that point. Um, another comment in the chat box, collecting good comments and feedback and look through them in bad times. That's a fantastic tip. I do that quite a bit. We, we get feedback from students and memorable comments stick out. And yes, you might say it's massaging your ego, but on a bad day, if you can go back to a nice comment, we keep thank you cards from students on a wall in the Cambridge Centre. And if I'm having a bit of a down moment, I'll quite often walk down that corridor and just go and read a few cards and think, actually, people do appreciate what we do. The work we do is recognised and therefore I will continue and keep going to try and get the next thank you card in a week's time, a month's time, a year's time. Okay, I think we're up to number six on my list. Number six was all about finding your own personal support network. Something else we've talked about on previous episodes, thinking about the people in your life that you can go to for help, for support, someone who you trust, someone you are confident you can share your challenges with, but someone who is positive, someone that can give you some energy, give you some positive words of encouragement. Talking it through with people is a really, really cathartic exercise and something that even if they say very little will hopefully help you put things into context, explain things, put things in perspective. On the flip side, I would also be aware of people that I brand as emotional vampires. And I think you can all imagine people that are usually quite negative, quite down. Now, I'm not saying remove them from your life altogether. They might be people that you have got in your family or people that you work with that you can't just exclude from your life. But appreciate that you know their mindset, you know their mentality. And so if you are speaking with them, you just need to be aware that they might bring you down as opposed to the people that can pull you back up. Dave, I, I know we've talked in the in the past about people that we would go to, people in our, our own personal circumstances, whether it's a circle of friends, family, whether it's trusted colleagues. But but I think you would also encourage people to, to know who those go to people are for help and support and encouragement. Yeah, I think it, it's something that I, I'm very conscious of with um particularly now having have having children in the in that you, you see the peer group that your children associate with and you can see 
you know, it, it, even now you're starting to see characteristics kind of like coming to the fore in terms of, right, this person is very positive in terms of the impact that they have on my child. Um, and this person is maybe slightly less positive and it's trying to educate people into, or, or trying to educate people into, or, or my kids into, you know, really what they should be listening to and what voices they should be listening to. And it's interesting that you talked about family because I, I have got family members who are incredibly negative when, when it comes to absolutely anything. And, and if I, How are you know, listening? 10 years ago, if when we, we set up business, um, we set up First Intuition in Chelmsford, if I would have gone to them for advice and said, I'm thinking about quitting my well-paid job and starting a business where I don't have any customers, what do you think? And they would say, you're crazy, you shouldn't do it, it's going to fail. And then I'll say, but I think it could be really successful. I think it could be a really successful business. And they'd probably just say, yeah, but you won't be able to do it. And they're not doing it out of malice or being nasty. They're doing it because they genuinely love you. They're part of your family, but they've just got that mindset that, you know, I can achieve it. Other people achieve these kind of things and you're not like those other people. So you shouldn't do it. And I think it's been very careful as to, you know, who you, not necessarily who you listen to, but whose opinion you take notice of. Uh, and I, I've learned that there are certain people that I love dearly and, you know, I want to spend time with them and they mean a hell of a lot to me. But when it comes to their opinion on certain things, I will not listen to it. And it would be because because I know that you're not going to be feeding me the right kind of messages. So it, it's tough because, you know, if, you, if your mom is a toxic person, you know, and, you know, she's not going to help you progress. It's very difficult to say, yeah, mom, I love you. And, you know, I'm more than happy to talk to you. But everything you say, I'm going to ignore and do the opposite. It's really hard. But um, I think you just need to be careful, you know, as you say, who you're listening to and who are those emotional vampires? Who's going to lift you up? Yeah. Also, you know, who are the crazy people as well? You know, we talk a lot about emotional vampires. There are people that will really lift you up and make you feel great. You know, we've all got that crazy, crazy friend that we'll go out for a weekend with and we'll have the weekend of our lives. But you probably wouldn't want them next to you at work on a Monday because they are absolutely nuts you know, in the way that they conduct themselves. So uh, I think there's also a balance in terms of you, you don't want crazy, crazy, let's go to Vegas person in your life all the time but you do want to hang out with them you do want to love them but probably their opinion isn't going to be the one you want to follow we're up to number seven on my list so the next thing i noted down on the train this morning was the next positive action you can take the next step and encourage you to pick off what we call the low-hanging fruit something that's an easy win on a down day i always think what could I do today? What could I do easily today that would be a positive action, something that will show tangible movements forward, the easy thing I can get done? And if that's the only thing I get done today, at least I can go to bed tonight thinking, well, if nothing else, I achieve that. So the, the next page of your notes, doing one question from the question bank even if it's just 10 minutes, something that's positive and doing it today. I think it's easy to put it off tomorrow and then we're in a downward cycle. We're then dwelling on it. We're building ourselves for a down as opposed to taking the bull by the horns and saying, I'm not going to be able to do a lot today. I'm not having a good day, but at least I'm going to do that one positive. Um, are you a great believer in... Sure. Oh, I'm a believer in, in taking action. 
and 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 doing something and you're right no matter how minor or major it is i think you should take action towards the thing that you're trying to achieve i i i i'm a big believer in trying to build habits and trying to to make things habitual and yeah the first step to making something a habit is is to do it the first time and if you your first not at the first inaction is to do nothing that's starting to form a habit of doing nothing if your first action is to do something small and bite off something manageable then that's starting to build that habit towards doing that little thing and you know i, I as you know i always refer, relate things back to sport and you know when, when you are you know if you speak to anyone that is in motor racing or anyone that is a distance running as you know i like distance running or you're playing a cricket game or something like that and you know any of them where you're facing adversity and um, you know, I, I had a conversation quite a while ago with with Mike Gatting, and he was talking about building big innings when you're behind and you're losing a game. He says that you don't think about building a big innings to get yourself back in the game. You think about facing the next six balls, and that's all you're trying to do is get to the end of the next six balls. Then it's the next six balls, and then you're starting to think about the lunch break, and then you're starting to think about the first three overs after lunch, and then you're starting to think about getting into the tea break, and everything is broken down into doing these little things again and again and again, building it into a habit, building it into something regular. And I, I agree, doing, you know, taking action is, you know, what the action is, is almost inconsequential. It, it's, the action can be tiny, but as long as you're taking action, you're starting to build that habit of taking meaningful action. I can see a nice comment in the chat box about the eat the frog principle. And I do agree with this one. I think once you've then got that positive action, the eat the frog principle says the big thing you need to kind of tackle relatively soon. And I'm a great believer that I put things off. I know there's been a, a tender document that I've had in my inbox now for at least a week. And I keep thinking, I must do that. I must do that. I must do that. The deadline for it is actually tomorrow at midday. And this morning, I actually opened it up and looked at it. And when I looked at it, I got quite a pleasant surprise. I've been dreading doing this, something that I've got to write bits for. I've got to put in data and I was really dreading having to do it. When I opened it up this morning, I got actually quite a pleasant surprise. And it's not as bad as I thought it was. And there is this view that the things you put off actually build up and become much bigger in your head than they really are. Something I talk a lot to ACCA and SEMA students about is their practical experience requirements. So aside from the exams, they have to do their workplace record and demonstrate their log of how they have utilised their skills and developments at work. And that's something I have spoken to numerous students who put off and put off and put off and build it up mentally into something that's much harder and more involved than it really is. And quite often, once I talk to a student and say, well, just do the first bit, they come back to me and say, do you know what, Ben, it really wasn't as bad as I was expected. And I've actually not only done the first bit, I've now done the second bit, the third bit, and I'm on a trajectory that I'm moving forward. So small steps, but also I'm not dismissing yet the, the one thing that you are dreading doing is not going to disappear. So at some point you've got to confront that beast. Last point on my list, generating some energy or making yourself present in the moment. I whistle. A colleague here in the Norwich office, Tim, who's joined us, I've been in the Norwich office, as I've said, for a few days. 
sings to himself quite a bit. And you don't appreciate that when you work remotely. But when you're in the office with someone, Tim will quite often just burst into a bit of song just to get a bit of energy going, just to focus him to bring himself into the present. Standing up, jumping, clapping, whatever you want to do, but something that just focuses you. Whistling as you're walking down the corridor. Um, Dave, you talked about positive actions. What sort of things do you do to get your your blood flowing and get your energy levels moving? I like to have a little jump, Ben. So just <laughs> standing up, having a little jump, um, just a like little pogo on the spot. That's that's always quite a nice way to try and get a bit of energy moving, kind of wake yourself up, give you that kind of like that kickstart. Um, I, I, I quite like a sing song, but I generally will only ever sing on my own. I won't sing with other people around because no one wants to really ha have to deal with that. So I'd be quite interested to hear what, what Tim's singing voice is like and, the, and it also his song choices. Um, but yeah, those kind of things. And I've, I, I apparently have a habit of clicking my fingers when I walk into rooms. But I, I, I don't really notice that I'm doing that. So it just must be an instinctive thing that happens. Um, I, I can tell you, Tim quite often sings TV theme tunes or advertising theme tunes from, from the telly, but probably going back 15 to 20 years ago, which, which <laughs> stumped some of the, the younger colleagues that work in the office with us. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's a way that you can just keep yourself present, but keep yourself moving keep the energy levels flowing something in the classroom environment I would dread sitting down to teach I like to be up on my feet I like to be walking up and down I like to gesture with my hands all of these positive movements that hopefully develop positive energy that can drive me forwards with my work they were my eight points Dave, I know you have put the link in the chat box to the Domains of Resilience model. Is there think, anything else on there that you wanted to mention? Well, I mean, I guess the only thing that I just wanted to mention, Ben, and I think it's quite important to say it before we finish, is that you know we've talked a lot about things that, uh, you know, in terms of how we may feel about being unsuccessful or, 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 or a setback, or, you know, we talked a little bit about kind of relationships with people. And, you know, I think we were kind of giving, uh, I guess, giving our comments based on our experience. But I, I fully, you know, fully understand that, you know, those kind of, you know, feelings that you're inadequate or feelings that you failed in some way, that they, you know, that they can be symptomatic of kind of other issues. Um, and I do think it's important just to just to, you know, be saying that if you are feeling you're finding that you have got those feelings that are lingering, and you know you're unable to shake them. It is important that, that you do seek professional help. And I know one of our, our contributors in the chat box mentioned um, kind of like things like counselling and things like that. And you know, our, our, you know, I know that our team at First Intuition, our safeguarding team, are really, really good at being able to signpost people to various different professions. You know, for for various you know different issues that people might encounter. And I would say that if you are if you're struggling. And, you know, finding finding things very, very difficult, then, you know, I would encourage you to seek help either, you know, initially maybe with a friend or, you know, with, say, one of our team at First Intuition. Um, you know, if you are seeking, friend for, seeking help from a medical professional at the moment, you might find that some of the things that we're talking about may not be appropriate um, at, at this particular point. So I think it is quite important that yeah, I, I, I'm looking at this from the point of view of someone's failed an exam and they're maybe struggling to to then get you know get back on the horse and study again. 
But I, I think that I, I'm in no way qualified to help people that have got a, a kind of a, a more serious underlying issue. And I think it is important we talk about that. I, I agree 100%. I've recently, along with a number of colleagues at FI, done a, a mental health first aid course. And that was very much the message that I took away. I've actually wear it on my lanyard. So I'm in the office today. So I've got my mental health first aid card here. And it says, encourage appropriate professional help. Yeah, we are not professionals with the, the perspective of, of mental health. Therefore, if you are listening to this and you are struggling, it's okay to reach out and that there are plenty of websites you can go to to signpost. I would encourage you to speak to your GP at the earliest opportunity and explain the feelings. They are in a much better position to signpost you than, than we are. So yeah, please, we are not here to dismiss things. It is not a case of just picking yourself up and pulling yourself together. If you are suffering from a mental illness, then at that point you do need to acknowledge the problem and, and get the help and support that you need and deserve. Um, we're at the end of time, Dave. So we are now past seven o'clock as we are recording to this. Um, you're off now on holiday for yeah, a little yeah. while. In enjoy the break. Hopefully you'll have a nice rest with the family. Um, we're not around for the next two weeks. So as I said at the start, I'm encouraging listeners to go back, look at the back catalogue, pick a couple of episodes that maybe you didn't listen to the first time or ones that you did and feel, actually, I would like to listen to that one again. Please, please, please leave some comments in the chat box. If I could ask the regular listeners to share the link, other people in your network, in your professional work environment, on LinkedIn, for example, please share the link to the FI podcast. Everybody is um, open to download it, to listen, to review, to like, to comment. Um, thank you all for listening. Dave, any final words from you before we sign off this evening? No, just uh, thanks. Thanks a lot, Ben, for another, uh, uh, another amazing evening. And the one thing I would say, Ben, is that you, you mentioned earlier that you, you don't keep a gratitude journal and you don't talk about things that you're grateful for. What I'd encourage you to do is listen to the opening five minutes of every podcast we've ever recorded, because what you've got there is a little snapshot of things that you've enjoyed every single week for almost the last two years. So I think that would be a nice little uh, compilation album for you to listen to. If you can bring yourself to listen to your voice, because I find that difficult. Um, I think that would probably help you if you're feeling down at all over the next couple of weeks. But Exactly. As you said, thanks to everyone for, for downloading. Um, it's always a pleasure to be here and we'll see you in a couple of weeks time when Ben and I are back refreshed from our respective breaks with our family. Thank you.